Right on. Thank you, Derek, and thank you, Hunter and Bridget, for leading and running through the announcements. Good morning, City Hope. And good morning, visitors of City Hope. My name is Chris Mack. I'm the director of Mercy here at the church. Um, Josh Hollowell, our uh, regular pastor who is out for today. Um, He's usually the one up here, but it's me today. (laughs) Um, And he's spending Christmas with his family because they um, got COVID during the holidays and didn't get to see extended family, and so they finally get that opportunity, and so I will be teaching in his stead and want to give an intro to our sermon series that we've been going through titled All Things New, Hope at the Revelation of King Jesus, and if there's one takeaway that I've been getting from this sermon series, it is that uh, this book ain't about dungeons and dragons, Uh, but much more than that. It is Instead, the coming of Jesus and the revelation of all that he has done and what is to come for our sake, for his glory. And for this morning, I'll be taking a step back from this moment-by-moment approach that Josh has been doing chapter-by-chapter and instead highlighting and emphasizing chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. And next week, he'll spend more time breaking down the entire scope of this chapter, but today I want us to dive in, particularly in these verses. And you can think of me today as a living commentary rather than breaking down an entire book. But I'll share with you today's title for the sermon, and that title is The Seal Broken for All Nations. That is, The Seal Broken for All Nations. And There's one word that I want y'all to say with me, and that word is distinction. Let me hear y'all say. Say it like you mean it. Distinction. Probably wondering why you're even saying it in the first place, and that's okay. Well, I'm going to start off with a story. So this is 2018, February 4th, and on this Sunday, there is a big event happening. That is the Eagles versus the Patriots. And at this time, I was living with four of my roommates, and we're watching this event for several reasons. One, you know, this is a big game. Two, we got commercials to watch. You know what I'm saying? That's one of the reasons why people gather for this Super Bowl event is to to watch and take hold and and to observe these commercials, to laugh, to feel inspired, to, to cry, to even be disappointed by certain commercials you thought would be funnier um, because they did a great job last year, right? You know, Doritos, for example, there might be a year where they on point, and then there's a year where it's like, mm, last year was better than this year. Um, and then, of course, the halftime show, which can be a hit or miss depending on who's performing. And what I want to do, you know, let's, let's mark this date, 2018. There's several commercials that may pop up in your mind. Maybe you forgot about them. That's okay. But there was a quote in one commercial in particular that I want to share, and I want to know if you guys know who quoted this and what commercial it was for. So here's a quote. If you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's the new definition 
of greatness. And there's more there, but I'm going to pause there. Does anyone know who quotes that? If you think you know, you can shout it out. Or do y'all know what commercial it was for? <laughs> Now's the time where I give the answer. Um, the quote was from Martin Luther King. Oh, that feels timely, right? I mean, tomorrow's Martin Luther King Day, um, so we could celebrate that. And that was for a Dodge Ram commercial. <laughs> This is the reaction I was hoping for. And so you have this commercial intended on drawing out this desire to spark in all of, all of us the importance of, of, of serving by using the, the teachings of Jesus in the voice of MLK. And, you know, in this commercial, there's these moments where you see, um, you see, it's a variety of things, okay? But it's hard to pinpoint. I think what they're trying to do here is to say that we all have the ability to serve, and that's what makes us great. And so in that, you insert these Uh, video clips of athletes training to be great or, uh, you know, soldiers marching on a battlefield, uh, educators teaching their kids who can grow up and be great things. And so it's these like cuts of these random pieces. And, you know, it's meant to bring this importance of serving and this, you know, it's meant to, to, to make you feel something. Uh, but it's one of them commercials that just kind of fell on deaf ears because um, it didn't sit too well. Rather than inspiring us as viewers, um, I remember sitting with my roommates just kind of being puzzled. Like, it just doesn't seem like it fits to use an MLK quote to advertise a, a Dodge Ram built to serve, which if they want to do that, that's great. That is extraordinary. But there might be some better ways of promoting that. The irony of this commercial is that they chose to use a sermon from MLK called The Drum Major Instinct. And in full context of this sermon, it was meant to warn people about our desire to be upfront to lead, which can lead to snobbish exclusivism. And in it, you'll actually see another quote from MLK, right? The same quote from this advertisement This quote that I'm going to share was a part of that sermon, and in it, it says, Now, the presence of this instinct explains why we're so often taken by advertisers, you know, those gentlemen of massive verbal persuasion, and they have a way of saying things that kind of gets you into buying. In order to be a man of distinction, you must drink this whiskey. In order to be a man of distinction, Um, and to make your neighbors envious, you must drive this type of car. In order to be lovely, you must wear this kind of lipstick or this kind of perfume. And you know, before you know it, you're just buying all that stuff. That's the way the advertisers do it. <laughs> End quote. So I do think Dodge dropped the ball on this one, to be frank. Uh, and this is what I would consider distinction used in an unhealthy way. While our American culture may have a strong desire to highlight unity and, and, and great morals and values through the voice of MLK, it, it always, or it doesn't always, present itself in, in healthy ways, in healthy distinction, or in complete representation. 
And what I mean by that is, you know, the drum major instinct is one sermon of many where MLK's quotes have been repurposed uh, for the sake of advertising or or making uh, us feel good rather than being challenged by his frank convictions. If you hear an MLK quote in a commercial that encourages the pursuits of social justice, well, then it probably makes sense at that point because his message for reform is distinct from automobile advertisements, and maybe it wasn't meant to be boxed in a sales pitch. I'm not here this morning to preach about Dr. King, although, again, it's very timely. (laughs) Uh, But what I do want to do is highlight some important pieces as we move on into the text. It's that his distinction played a key role in the Imago Dei pursuit. He preached the good news of the gospel and let that truth inform the way that he fought for freedom for people of color so that we could be unified within our own country. But he also preached a distinct message saying that there is salvation and truth through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is this gospel truth that informed the way that he brought about justice and unity. We've been preaching about this in the fall, this idea that all of mankind is made in the image of God, and therefore they deserve to be treated as so. And so our focus today is that word that I said earlier. My man. So let's go ahead and open this text this morning. Uh, Verses 9 through 11 of chapter 5 in Revelation, and in that it says, And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on earth. Then I looked again. And I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. Lord, thank you for your word, for your truth. Thank you for being the slaughtered lamb who has opened the seal for us so that we can all come to worship you, Lord, no matter where we come from. Uh, Be with me as I preach this morning. This is about you and not me, Lord. Uh, And I pray that it would be you that would fill us, that would convict us, that would inspire us. See your name we pray. Amen. Now, prior to this verse, we're given an image of Jesus. And that image is that he is this lamb that was beaten, that he is slaughtered, and yet still standing, even though he appears first, as this lion, this conqueror who defeated Satan. His wounds and his lamb-like appearance displays the punishment of the cross. And Jesus is the only one who enters and is able to take the scroll and open it. The room sang in dedication to the fierce lamb. They are saying, they're shouting actually, you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. No one else But it is through your blood, Jesus, and your blood has ransomed people for God. Ransom is this uh, demand given to release someone from captivity. It's this act of making amends or 
reparation for our guilt and our wrongdoing. And we as God's creation, we've broken our vows with God and sinned against him. And for that, blood has to be spilled. But that blood is not from us. That blood is from Jesus who makes amends for our guilt. It isn't just, it, isn't, it ain't just you and I, right? It's not, it's not just you and I in this room that are ransomed people. The celebration in the throne room that's taking place is due to Jesus' work on the cross as he unravels God's fully realized plan that for every tribe, for every tongue, for every nation, for every people, they will come and worship the creator of the universe. This is achieved through Jesus and nothing else. For there to be tribes, tongues, nations, and languages means that there are clear distinctions in the people that God has created. And God recognized that there's beauty in this distinction. And so this is where we start to drill in. Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 through 18 says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your worksmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Now, this is a passage where David is asking God to search and to know his heart, to test him, to point out his sin. And in that, in knowing that, he can glorify God. Lord, help me see my sin so that I can repent and glorify you. And, and in this process of wanting to repent and to serve, he also realizes that the Lord just doesn't know these pieces about me. He, he knows these beautiful pieces about me. David knows there's nothing that isn't known by God, and he recognizes how beautiful is it that the Lord has precious thoughts about me as his creation. Not just him, but for all of us. He takes his creation seriously. And it wouldn't be surprising if these precious, unnumbered, formed thoughts about us include the beauty of our skin, our structure, our ethnicity, our gender, our beautiful genetic makeup, and even the cultures and places that we grew up in. Passages like this should form what we believe about our distinction. They don't just blow over as believers in Jesus. They don't just melt into one big pot to, to lose its distinctiveness. But Christ informs our distinctions, and he has made us distinct. At the same time, the Lord has also called his people to be one body and like-minded, which seems like there's tension there, but it isn't. Unified, even though distinct. Now, how have we seen phrases or words like this play out in our world? How have we seen the world play out unity and distinction? If the slaughtered lamb has ransomed people for God from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people, then what should we expect for this world and even the world to come? 
Well, there's a few ways we've seen this take place. And and what I want to do is highlight three of those. And so in this, we'll take a look at our own history within our own country. And in this, we'll take a look at the history of the church. Now, I'm no historian, so (laughs) as I say that, I don't have, you know, dates and times of every single thing. But if you want to talk more about this later, there's always dialogue for that. (laughs) But the first thing I want to do is focus on our first point is that it is easy to draw out distinction for the sake of separation. Distinction for separation is our first point here. Sometimes distinction becomes a separating force rather than one that we should all embrace. It's been used to say that a line is drawn in order to find this distinction and to identify that one group is better than the other. We've obviously seen this happen time and time again when it comes to race, right? Race being the social construct to forcefully divide people of color into what would be considered less superior groups within our own country. This was based on skin color and cultural heritage, and it became clear within the construction of America that the voice of an educated white man would have more to say than the voice of a black human being, who were only considered three-fifths of a human. That distinction was drawn when action showed that white men would have more to say than women who had persuaded male politicians and men in power to consider them when creating laws so they could have a voice and be accurately represented. They would have more to say than a Native American truly native to the land, but were harshly affected by colonization. Within the context of American history, we've seen the color black, brown, and even the female gender be treated as a nuisance to an American ambition. And this is especially important to us as a church because we've even seen the church use Scripture to justify such behavior. And and that's something that we have to reconcile with as believers. Our country has often operated as if the only thing that God is concerned with is an American empire. And that's a hard truth. And in the more current lens, as we take this past piece and work into today, we've seen that even work through several surges, one of them being white Christian nationalism. Through practice and action, there's a desire to merge and platform an American identity with faith. And in that, that identity, it says that, hey, we need to go back to the old American way where things were right. An identity that says this way of fundamentalism and conservative, I can't even say it, (laughs) being conservative is the way of life. Um, And some of these values may not be inherently wrong, but this nostalgia grab doesn't consider the men and women of distinction during that time. Freedom wasn't granted for all distinctions or protected at the same time. And so it makes me think of even a few conversations that I've been in with with folks who have longed for that past time where they've said things like, hey, you know, what happened to the good old days where, like, you know, uh, kids wouldn't talk back to their parents, where 
people were kinder to one another, when youth respected authorities and, and weren't questioned. And while there may be some genuine concern to statements like these, to that I say, <laughs> maybe it was a good time for you. <laughs> now, for people who look like me, you know, my elders would probably have to disagree with some of that. Now, on the flip side, I've had several discussions with friends and acquaintances who are black deal with identity crisis to the point of diving into certain beliefs like Hebrew, Hebrew Israelite um, identity. And up front, this belief system claims that the true Jewish people of this world are actually African-Americans because the oppression that they've experienced closely identifies with Jewish people within the Old Testament. Some of y'all are like, I ain't never heard of that before. You might have seen some things with Kanye West in the news. That's like a snippet of some extreme versions. Um, and in that, there's this belief that because African Americans are considered the Jewish, the true Jewish people of the Old Testament, that there's this ability and this desire to see themselves as superior over any other ethnicity, right? There are some sects of this belief that do believe in the power of the gospel, and that is for all people, but there are some certain sects, that the, same, the same way that in Christianity there are certain, there are certain you know, um, denominations, there are certain denominations within Hebrew, Hebrew Israelite beliefs, and there are some that are way more extreme saying that, you know, we want to put an emphasis on genealogy and the importance of, of color. And in that, there's this longing of being able to rule over other ethnicities in heaven rather than being unified in heaven. And so this ide- ideology tries to look over the fact that Jesus is clear when he grants his riches to both the Jew and Gentile. So even if this is the case, I'm not saying it is, but even if it were the case, this, this good news, this treasure is for all, all who are distinct, not just one people group, all. These are only a few examples of the human race using distinction incorrectly. And it's apparent that uh, any of us can fall into traps like these, um, maybe not in extreme ways such as those, but in some, some minor ways. Allowing our distinctions to take precedence over the true mission of the gospel is where we fall short. I want to read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. In this, it says, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Now, other times we see the opposite extreme, and this is my second point here, that is pursuing unity and morphing into sameness. In other words, unity for sameness. Galatians 3.28 is taken to the extreme when Paul says there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, Uh, male or female in Christ, uh, for you are all in Christ. At times, we're 
very clear about drawing distinction for things we don't agree with. We don't want to talk about racism because we feel like that's too CRT (laughs) or it's too Marxist. We are weary about social justice because it doesn't prioritize the preaching of the gospel. We don't want to speak about race and justice because it's hard and it's confusing and it's exhausting and it makes me feel shame. So let's ignore these current realities and just unify with one another like Paul told us to, right? But anyone reading letters from the New Testament can tell you that uh, Paul often had to challenge Jews and Gentiles in the same spaces. Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 3 says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. There was effort involved with both Jews and Gentiles at this time. It involved patience for one another as there have been faults towards one another, brothers and sisters. But there was a genuine pursuit of each other's concerns, counting each other more significant than the other. Amen. In chapter 3, Paul told us that God's plan, amen, God's plan was for Jew and Gentile alike to enjoy the riches and promises equally as God's children. The promises of the gospel are discussed and shared amongst one another. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm sorry. No, no, this is great. I just need to pause because I will keep laughing. <laughs> and people are going to get lost. <clears throat> Where was I? <laughs> we have to remember that the gospel promises to us inform our various lives, it may have the same method of impact being the gospel, but it might result in different ways because you and I are dealing with different circumstances. Same gospel, different circumstances, because we are different people. I think it's unfortunate when the church doesn't always see the beauty of distinction, even in our context ministries. So we might question things like, why does something like epic or impact or Bridges exist. And I'm sure Ebony probably gets some of this. Uh, you know, I can think of moments when I was a, a student leader in Impact, uh, which is an organization focused on the um, building of faith and blackness. You know what I mean? So it, 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 tar- it aims towards being able to help believers grow in their faith, for people to know Jesus, and to grow in one's own culture and ethnicity. And, you know, I, I would have white peers who would be like, can I come? Am I allowed to come? Should I not come? What's the, what's the vibe here? What's the feel? Should I stay away? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you can definitely come, right? You are more than welcome to come. Just know we're going to talk about Jesus and we're going to talk about blackness. Because Jesus informs 
our blackness and everything that comes with it. He informs the way that I think about social issues that affect me more than the average Muncie individual. He informs how I recall the positive impact of the black church and the safe haven provided for my ancestors. He informs the way I think about how to best think about black family dynamics and faith. And so he informs various pieces of my life the same way that he'll inform various pieces in your life. When you think of your story and where you've come from and your culture and the way that you've been brought up, it's different from me. And it's different from the person sitting next to you who might look like you. But Christ informs our distinction. And so... Overall, ministries like this help provide solutions to cultural issues in these distinct communities, but they're also a space of celebration, heritage, and history. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves as a church is, are we okay with things like that? And moving forward, what are we doing as a congregation to make sure that there's space provided to embrace these pieces as well? I think context ministries are important, but they can't be a replacement of our local body. So do we allow for our space to be distinct, or does our church culture discourage that? And that's why at City Hope, you know, some of the things that we try to do is we try to highlight uh, months like Black History Month, Women's History Month, Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, Hispanic Heritage Month, American Indian Heritage Month. Though. Let's be real. It's so easy to glance over those and to forget that they happen. And there's been times where even us as a church, we, as a staff, we've dropped the ball on that. There's been times where Serena's been like, it's week two, and we ain't said nothing about Hispanic Heritage Month. And I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, you give me February, I'm all in. But then after that, I don't know what to do. And, and I want to confess that because I'm, I'm prone to it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Let me be the first to say I haven't done this perfectly. I easily forget about my other brothers and sisters of other ethnicity. um, And we miss out on the opportunity to learn and soak in the richness of other people groups and how the Lord has used them to play a role in the wholeness of his revelation. For all of us, these are teaching moments so we can grow in this richness. And it brings me to my third point. We've heard about distinction used to separate and cause harm. We've heard about how unity sometimes pursues sameness, and it does not allow room for distinction. In actuality, though, the Lord is calling us to stop seeing unity and distinction as exclusive things here. He'd much rather us notice that in our distinctions we are unified. We're unified in distinction. That's the third point. By the blood of Jesus, every believer from every nation will become a kingdom of priests. We share the gospel here and now, and one day we will celebrate the reality of that gospel in an eternal paradise with our eternal Savior. And no matter where we come from, the power of Jesus We use his various voices of various distinctions the same way 
that every time there's somebody in this pulpit here, whether it be me or Josh Hollowell or Hunter Wolfram, Matt James, voices like Kyle Dickerson, voices like Andre Mitchell, Rome Herbert, Brandon Bowler, those are distinct voices, and he will use those voices to show that he is worthy. He'll use various testimonies, like testimonies we've heard here in this space. We've heard testimonies from James Jenkins. We've heard testimonies from Stacy Hooksma, Megan Brown, John Davis, Bradley Richardson, Kevin Simon, Jim Moore, Stephanie Nagelkirk, Brian Osner. I might be missing somebody. So, you know, Kat, my wife's giving testimony. Yeah, yeah, you too. If I'm, you know, if I'm missing anybody, you can raise your hand. That's okay because um, I don't want to forget you and I don't want to forget the reality that the Lord has used your voice and your testimony to show that he is worthy. He's used your story and your distinction and where you've come from and your experience to share and to show that he is worthy. He uses other things, so many other things that we're not used to. We may not be used to Hunter coming up here and singing hymns by himself, but he uses his voice and he uses those old hymns from old saints in that time to remind us that he is worthy to break the seal of the scroll. He uses the voice and guitar of Bridget Hedinger when she comes up here to lead in worship. Or Serena, you know, pray for her. She's feeling sick. (laughs) Pray for that voice. He uses urban apologetics along with hip-hop music and testimonies or the soulfulness of gospel music to remind us that he's worthy to break the scroll. He'll use the dinner tables of black, white, Latino, Asian, Indian, Native American, and any other people group to invite our neighbors to the family to tell them that Jesus is worthy of breaking the scroll. He'll use our beloved missionaries that we support here at City Hope, who are overseas to tell people from all over the world that Jesus is worthy to break the scroll. He'll use any distinction in this country or the next to tell us he's worthy to break the scroll. And we will all worship him for that. He made us who we are, and we get to worship the Lord for that. How do we continue to view all of God's people as distinct and to celebrate those pieces? Well, I conclude with some reminders of our commitments as a church. I want to take time by simply reading and going through City Hope Values. We got four of them. And these values and in, in reading them and unpacking them is a good reminder. And it's, a, it's, it's really to remind us that in order to even do these things, our heart for Jesus is priority. Our heart for Jesus and what he's about and his mission and what he loves is priority. Because when we worship Jesus, and a lot of this come from Josh, but we start by worshiping Jesus because when we love him and his mission, we care for the things that he cares about, which are these things. And so, by worshiping Jesus, 
choosing to commit to him and his mission, we live out these values. One, at City Hope, we want to reconcile people to God and to one another. We started off as rebels opposing God himself, but like Revelation 5 says, it is through the blood of Jesus, the ransom lamb, that we are, as believers are saved. We are renewed, we're reconciled with God, even though we are the offenders. We become the kingdom of priests to tell this truth to all people. This truth has the power to overcome all racial, ethnic, socioeconomic, political, and generational barriers. But to overcome these barriers means we got to understand that it's hard work and it's not easy. Just because we're empowered doesn't mean that we get to do easy work. It wasn't easy for Jesus to come as a baby to live the perfect life and to sacrifice his life for us. That was hard work, and he did that, and he was still a man. So we can expect that. shouldn't be so simple and easy for us to overcome social barriers. But we can trust Jesus and commit to the work. City Hope, let's not commit to just simply sharing the gospel and leaving it at that, but demonstrating that love and what it means for us as well and in our personal lives and for the people that we encounter. What's most important is that our love for justice and mercy takes place outside of these doors more than they do inside these doors as well. So it's not just here where we express these values, but what's going on in your life after you step out of these doors when I'm not preaching to you, when we're not singing worship songs and hymns, what is the reality of your life for people to know that you love the Lord and that the Lord loves them no matter who they are? The world needs the love of Jesus. So again, reconcile. We want to be a people reconciled to God and to one another. Second point, at City Hope, we want to live in authentic community and commit to biblical holiness. Life is messy. We messy. We want to be honest about our mess. That's hard, but it's good. And this is a church where you can come as you are, but leave as the person that God continues to make you into. This means we want to be authentic community, sharing joy, sorrows, concerns, and celebrations together. This is especially important as we pursue unity as a church in the diversity of our community. At City Hope, you can be authentically you as we are together conformed to the image of Jesus. This is why small groups are beautiful. You know, if you want to get plugged in with a small group, it's a good space to practice this. These are regular gathering spaces that we have, three of them in different places of Muncie, where we get to share about our lives and authentic community outside of a Sunday service. Life is more than the, you know, two to three hour service on a Sunday. Life is meant to be lived, and the Lord calls us to consider others more significant than ourselves. When any of us share our sorrows, burdens, and pain, we should be able to take heart that we will be heard and cared for. At City Hope, we should be a congregation that is willing to hear others' grievances. Doesn't mean we need to be experts in them, 
but we can share and we can listen. Third point, we have to serve our city and seek the city that is to come. We get to serve and love our community through radical acts of mercy and justice so we can see Muncie flourish. That's why I'm grateful for things like the Mercy Team, the Mercy Fund Team. That's why I'm grateful for us being able to have a Mercy Fund account that you guys have been extremely generous with so that way we can be merciful to people in this congregation and out. You know what I'm saying? It's a thrill for me to get a phone call or, or, or an online form sent to me from somebody who found out about us through Google because they were desperately seeking help. And so they decided if I type in churches in the community, some of them might be able to help me. It's, it's moments like that when I say, how'd you find out about us? Ah, I looked y'all up on Google. Yo, what? For real? Like, first of all, you was willing to even reach out to the church because in this climate, there's a lot of people who don't want anything to do with church. But to have moments like that where we're reminded that the church shows and demonstrates mercy, particularly this one, is so good for me. And so I thank you guys for your generosity in that. So we get to show up for our community in these ways, but we also get to show up for things that um, I also get to show up for things like the MLK service going on tomorrow, uh, where we get to praise and worship and listen to preaching from our um, fellow black brothers and sisters in Christ in this community, We're brothers and sisters. And so it's moments like this where we get to show up. It's moments like Walk a Mile coming up in fe- February at the uh, Muncie Mission where we get to show up. Get burn some calories while also showing that you care about what's going on with the Muncie mission. Helping with needs and other charitable organizations help us serve our city. And God has given us the ability to contribute to our community by simply showing up to the hard and important things. So it's not just what's going on in your personal life, but it's what you choose to show up in publicly. And finally... At City Hope, we're asking Jesus to help us to be dependent on him and his spirit. We're a people formed by the work of Jesus, every tribe, tongue, and nation, and people. We all worship Jesus because God revealed himself through his son. And I love that this value states that our congregation is going to be shaped by the entire Bible, not just verses that we like to pick and choose and and even when you see, you know, someone like me or Hunter or Josh come up here and, and talk about specific texts in the Bible, <laughs> we try to provide the context of that because context is important. The same way that if you write a letter to somebody or a story to somebody, you want it to be understood for what it is. And so we want to value that here at City Hope. The Bible as a whole will give us the application we need to live our lives and love people today. And we can only do that beginning with loving Jesus. Our values are hard, distinct values for sure. Um, We don't always visibly see these things being worked out. But these values are informed and fueled by the life and teachings of Jesus. And through his power, we can live and long for that reality. So City Hope, it's important that we 
live to love God. It's important that we love neighbor. And it's important that we celebrate the distinction that God has put in front of us and the distinction to come when we are in full, full glory with him. So let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, you are the ultimate creator.